welcome back to the Scaling Impact Podcast. I'm the host, Sean Boyce. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today, Melissa Luna, who is the Senior Executive Director at Greenlight Fund Boston. Hello, Melissa. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. Hi, Sean. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk more about your experience in Greenlight Fund. Obviously, we've had amazing episodes with both Margaret and Casey from your team on the show before, but we're excited to talk about it at a different level of detail with you. But before we do that, if you wouldn't mind so that our audience could become more familiar with you and your background, would you mind sharing a little bit in terms of where you've come from and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Uh, a little bit about myself, and I'm going to have to go all the way back to the beginning <laughs> because that's, great. that's where it all began, um, because my story is a big reason why I'm at Greenlight Fund. Uh, so I grew up in the deep south, Texas, like extreme south on the border and a very under-resourced community and came to Boston um, over 20 years ago for college. And so at college, I was involved with student-led nonprofit committed to public service in the Boston area. And that's where I found my passion. That's where I found what I wanted to do. Uh, for my career. But after that, I spent 10 years in nonprofit and another four years at a family foundation that, like Greenlight Fund, had a vision for national change that was rooted in the belief that change happens actually on the local level. And so I've been at Greenlight now for five years. And my experience growing up on the border, my college experience leading youth programs in Boston, my nonprofit and philanthropic work, all these experiences come together in my work at Greenlight Boston. That's amazing. And thank you for sharing your background. I know that's a key component to much of the work that we all do. And I'm definitely excited to talk more about Greenlight Fund. Obviously, in the previous episodes, we talked a little bit about the model and how it works. I'm a huge fan. I love what you just shared about making impact at a local level. I think that's what, by and large, has the greatest impact on what a lot of our lives are like from a day-to-day -day basis. But in particular for the audience in which Greenlight Fund invests and then helps in terms of those who need it most. So I'd love before we kind of go deeper into essentially how it all works, just to learn a little bit more from a, an overview perspective. For anyone out there who may not be familiar with Greenlight Fund, can you explain a little bit more about what it is and how it works? Sure. So Greenlight Fund partners with communities to remove barriers to inclusive prosperity. So we launch and scale proven programs that meet community identified needs. So in all 12 of our sites, we facilitate a community-driven process that helps us identify what's needed, find evidence-based and innovative proven programs to address that need, and ensure that the program selected is actually a good fit for our cities. And so I'm lucky to lead this work in Boston, and we select one new program every year in partnership with our multi-sector advisory council and family partners who have lived experience and are approximate to the issues we are, we are focused on. So, you know, Greenlight, the difference between Greenlight and a lot of other organizations is that it's a difference of being pulled into a community. So we invest multi-year funds, we cultivate partnerships, we embed um, the organization into the community and provide that ongoing um, on-ground support. And so that pool mechanism really lets the organizations know that we're ready for them, we want them in our community, but also really leads for their success because they have us on the ground they have us as partners, as guides, and also they have someone who is committed to their success at the same, just as much as they are. That's such an important and critical element for those out there that are doing the kind of work related to what Greenlight Fund invests in. And there's so many really interesting things about the Greenlight Fund model that I'm particularly a huge fan of. 
having done plenty of work in the impact and nonprofit space myself, and that's having access to unrestricted funding, giving the organization the ability to innovate and kind of spread their own wings and figure out how to make an impact in the way they know best, but with all of the support and expertise that an organization like Greenlight Fund brings into the fold. That is kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion, in terms of, I think, what where we've seen the most remarkable progress in the nonprofit and impact-related space. So, yeah, long story short, huge fan of the model and looking forward to learning more from you because I know you have a lot of expertise here in terms of some of the details in terms of how it works. So wherever you want to go from here for our listeners to get a better idea about maybe some of the examples in terms of how it's worked well and essentially the details in terms of how it works, that would be great to dive into next. Sure, absolutely. You know, some of the things that come to mind as I'm hearing you talk is, you know, as we root an example in our communities um, and the green light process, you know, what comes to mind is we've all just announced the, we're all experiencing the end of the COVID pandemic. And so, you know, we know that it had a devastating impact on our communities. And part of that is, you know, the death that we all experienced, the inequities that we experienced, but also the long tail of that impact. When we talk about wealth in Boston, there was already a great disparity and now it's exacerbated by the pandemic. We're talking about families that have been really disrupted by the pandemic and continue to struggle to this day. I think, you know, this brought us through our selection process and we were navigating our selection process through the pandemic, which is difficult in many ways because the beauty of our, our work is understanding needs. And so being in community, being in conversation with local leaders, but also being in conversation with family partners and those who are experiencing the very challenges we're trying to solve. And so being able to do that work um, was difficult, but also, I mean, really a huge responsibility for our team and figuring out how do we find something and understand that there are many needs and how do we how do we balance all those? And so one of the things that we were looking at um, at the time was the mental health needs of high school students in particular, uh, middle and high school students. So prior to the pandemic, and in particular, as you dived into the data that Boston Public Schools had, middle school and high school girls, about half of them were already reporting feeling sad and depressed prior to the pandemic. So we knew that after and while we were navigating the pandemic, what that did for that population in particular. We also knew that girls of color and particularly black girls were over-disciplined and disciplined at rates higher than white girls. And so when we talk about the connection, we don't often talk about discipline and behavior in connection to behavioral health and mental health. And so as we were looking for solutions, we were looking for what can we do right now to address the issue? And then what can also have long lasting impact? And so um, we looked uh, and, and scouted the, the country for programs that could really focus on the needs of girls of color, in particular mental health um, supports um, and in school. And that's where we landed on the Working on, the, on Womanhood program. So the WOW program was based out of Chicago. Um, luckily, we had experience with the Becoming a Man program. Um, they were kind of brother program, sister program um, in Chicago. And, and we worked with the district to understand what are those needs? Where's the opportunity? But also, how do we create a public-private partnership 
that could really ensure that as we're bringing in this model, as we're helping them navigate the local landscape, as we're thinking about who should they partner with, what schools should they be going into, we're also thinking about the long-term sustainability of that program. Because the last thing you want is to be able to bring a program for you know girls in schools and have it taken away from them. And so being able to, and so I think there's a great responsibility to our work. And when we talk about this, it is really about the sustainability of these types of programs. Uh, the WOW program has been able to demonstrate um, through you know, their research and outcomes and evaluation, um, you know, really transformative change in terms of rates of depression, PTSD, anxiety. And so we knew that by bringing that sort of program, yes, we could have an impact on girls there, but we could also ensure that they were completing school and on track for a lifetime of success and building those skill sets. And so when we think about impact, it really is about those outcomes. It's about the numbers reach, but also how are we moving people to their long-term success and, and thinking about the income, the out, long-term outcome for Boston. You have a huge fan over here in terms of the focus on the outcome. I know mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of dialogue about that, especially in the nonprofit and impact space, like inputs and outputs or comparing outputs to outcomes. Ultimately, I think the renewed kind of shifting focus more towards outcome of what you're just describing there is remarkable, like super important because it's what ultimately moves the needle for who it matters most. And there was something else that you mentioned, which I think is really unique to the way Greenlight Fund is doing their work. But again, I think really important in that didn't necessarily like wait for someone to come to you, did the homework to find out where is there a problem that we want to solve? And then let's go find someone who has the potential to help us with this or someone we can partner with to make a big dent in that and start making progress right away. I really like the approach to that model uh, because obviously you're more invested and you are able to ensure that what you're looking for is going to become a partnership that makes progress and provides solutions to real problems. That's super interesting. Uh, from the partnership perspective, I think that's amazing. Um, I, I have so many questions based on everything that you said, but probably where I'll go next in keeping along the lines of the details and how the program works for other nonprofit and impact-related leaders out there to learn more. I'd love to learn more in terms of what you're looking for when you are looking for, you, you are searching for someone to partner with when you have a problem that you want to tackle like this one. What does that process look like? What are you looking for from them? How does the process work once you've found someone? I'd love to talk about those details also. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, one of my favorite things to, to tell people is you would think as a grant maker in this space, people are just like knocking on your door, trying to come in. And I'm like, most of my job is actually convincing folks they want to come to Boston. And part of that is because we it is truly a partnership. Um, and I think for many organizations who might have expanded to cities or communities before and it didn't go well, we're, we're telling them it's different to do it with us. And I think many of the portfolio organizations would tell you that it's different growing and scaling to a community with green light. Um, part of that, it starts with our diligence process. So, you know, we're wanting to ensure that we're not replicating or duplicating existing programs. And so that means we have to do our, our homework in Boston. And you can imagine the thousands of nonprofits that exist in, in Boston. And that's why oh, yeah. we lean in our advisory council. But, you know, truly understanding that what we are looking for is unique and is going to drive um, impact. So when we start through that process of scouting organizations and 
looking for um, models and to come to Boston. You know, part of that is us getting on the phone <laughs> or getting on Zoom now, because you know now we're in a post-pandemic world. Everyone has Zoom, but we're we're chatting it up, and we're also trying to explain to people: here's what we're seeing in Boston. Here's why you're needed, and here's why you should come. And who's interested in helping and support you? Um, we're trying to in assessing the organization. We are assessing their leadership, their readiness to grow and scale. Have they grown and scale into a new location before? If not, you know, what do they have an understanding of what they need? Do they have a good sense of their model? Because one of the things we are very clear about is that fidelity to model, because we want to ensure that we're seeing the same impact that you're seeing. If you're in Chicago, we want to see that same impact or if not better in Boston, because that's what we're investing in. Um, we're also through our extensive diligence process. Um, and if they make it as one of our finalists, we are talking to their community partners, we're talking to participants, we are talking to their board, their leadership. I mean, the list of people we talk to <laughs> is extensive because we want to understand as you come into Boston, what do you need to be successful? Can Greenlight deliver that? And how do we ensure that you are embedding well in our community? Because that's what's really gonna make ensure long-term sustainability for this organization. We also look at the financials and we also, ensure that they have outcomes. And so there's lots of conversation and figuring out, you know, where on the spectrum are they with evaluation? Have they done an external evaluation? If not, what are the systems that they have in place for outcome tracking, but also how do they use data to become a learning organization and also manage change and, and ensure that as they're growing as an organization, that they're able to support their sites and, and where they're growing. So it's extensive process. It's I mean, and ultimately what I walk away with every single time is a deep love appreciation for the organizations and the work they do. And you come from, you know, that end of that process and it's easy for me to champion the organizations and why they should be in Boston and understand where they might fit and how they fit. And then our role at Greenlight is to figure out then how do we ensure that we have the right supports for them? so that as they come here, they can get up and running and see those transformative outcomes that we are investing in. Makes a ton of sense. And you said a few other things that are music to my ears, including data. Well, the financial <laughs> picture, of course, too, but data, especially me being a tech and software geek. Yeah. I love that, right? Because data can be so informative in terms of what to do and what not to do. Plus, when figuring mm -hmm. out how to measure what it, the needles that are important to focus on that are ideally leading indicators or evidence of the successful outcomes we've been able to achieve for those that need it most. So that's super interesting. Um, so you started to speak there quite a bit about, you know, what coming to Boston looks like after we partner, what type of results that we're looking for, uh, and all of these other factors that are important in the decision-making process of, you know, who's right for the program, when to partner, that type of thing. Is there a phase or a level of threshold of progress or anything like that that you're looking for for the organization when you feel it's ready for this type of an investment, both from a resources perspective or a financial perspective and the preparation to kind of get ready to reach another level of scale. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that too, because obviously the theme of the show is figuring out how to help people that are making amazing change, but maybe it's just hyper-local at the moment, but it's something that, you know, the needs that you described, the mental health challenges, the disproportionate level of access for people of color, those types of things. Those are not hyper-local problems, right? Like they may be varying levels of degree of severity, but those are ubiquitous. These problems exist everywhere. So obviously we want to see 
what we can't do about taking those programs that have been successful in local communities and making them as accessible as possible so that people that are experiencing them everywhere can get access to the same level of help. That was really the inspiration behind the creation of this podcast and interviewing professionals like you who have done this successfully over and over again. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that in terms of what the process looks like, in terms of where they should be when they're ready to reach mm-hmm. a greater level of scale, and then what you're hoping to achieve once you make any of these investments and then ideally prepare for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think a couple of things come to mind, um, especially as we think about early in the process and we're trying to figure out, are they a good fit from the beginning? Um, One is, you know, and we've seen some changes uh, with the pandemic over time, but does the organization have a good idea of what it means to grow their program? Do they have a strategy behind that? Because, you know, there's the wholly grown model where, you know, you open a Boston office, but your headquarters in Chicago. Most nonprofits are actually, you know, innovating and trying to think of um, different ways to do this. So whether it's using technology platforms or there's also licensing. So are they clear about their strategy and do they have a good rationale as to why that strategy will work for Boston? Because that's one thing that we have to figure out. You know, if it does require licensing or kind of this affiliate, you know, somebody who's implementing their model in Boston, do they understand Boston well enough to know that they have the right partners? And if not, how do we help them figure that out? So from the very beginning, you have to think about that seed going into the ground. And is it in fertile ground? And is it the right seed? Do we have the right temperature? Because it's also, do we have all the funding partners to come in? So from the very beginning, it is about, you know, setting it up for success. Part of what we do also with the organizations when we do select them is we outline uh, KPIs, so key performance indicators over those four years to determine what is reasonable growth and what is high growth. Because we want for there obviously to be reasonable growth, but we also want to shoot for the stars and make sure that we're going for high growth. And some of the things that um, happen at that time is when we start to figure out, you know, as you think about growing and scaling into Boston, How do you think about brand visibility? Because that's something that doesn't often get discussed. Um, So as you're entering, what are the ways that you're thinking about partnership? How do you elevate the brand? How do you become more visible and be part of the community? And that's where we can help them, like join these coalitions, do those pieces. How do you have somebody who's on the ground, who's a recognized leader in our space? So that's one of the beauties of our green light model is we want for somebody to be hired in Boston, who's from Boston to lead this work. So they know the work, they know how to navigate the different parts of the city, and they know how to uh, build those partnerships and often bring in their own social capital into that space. Um, You know, once we start to start in that place, we look at what are the partnerships that we need to unlock um, in order to think about bigger investments, but being able to grow the program while it's here in Boston. So you know, for example, with the WOW program, we were very clear that there's a way that we thought about their implementation and they have a whole implementation science team. So love their organization. They're so data-driven and and um, and very focused on what works. And so they were very clear. We're going to start with three schools. We'll, you know, stay steady for three, then we go to six. And so thinking about um, how can they, in those first two years, if they're staying in the same amount of schools, what what are they learning? What are the challenges that are coming up in the implementation? Because when you come to a new market, there's always surprises. <laughs> there's always risks that you're managing. 
And so how do they ensure that in those first two years, they get it right? And then think about what growth and scale looks like in, in the markets. And so our job at Greenlight is to ensure that they're learning the right lessons in those first two years, that they're pivoting, that they're applying what we're learning, and then helping them to figure out now that we know what works in our market, how do we grow that? What are the partnerships? What are the public funding sources? And what ways can we continue to elevate the local leader so that we are bringing in these opportunities to continue the, to grow the program? So, you know, I think it's a step-by-step -step sort of approach that we look for. But then, you know, I think it's also really recognizing that every time we invest in an organization, we're managing that risk with them. And there's always unexpecteds that come along. And that's why you have Greenlight as a partner in the work. Um, and, you know, by working together, we can figure these pieces out and help them to continue to grow in those first four years and then off to a really great, you know, base and foundation for their future growth and success beyond Greenlight's investment. Yeah, building their solution to be sustainable is probably one of the biggest challenges facing the future success for nonprofits and impact-related organizations that have even some track record of success, the fact that their programs work. I've read countless stories in there. They're such a roller coaster because they're amazing to learn about problem that they wanted to solve, the improvement they wanted to make in their community, whatever it was, and then they were able to do so on a hyper-local scale. Then as soon as they tried to scale that outwardly from there, the thing, the wheels came off, which is such a shame because there's so many things that probably aren't considering when you're going from that like zero to one or one to 10 level of phase running an organization like that. And if it's not set up to be sustainable, I know you've seen this many times over, then you're going to lose not just the value that you could have been bringing to those other communities, but the original one as well which had already made a ton of success. And you've talked about that in one of your responses in this uh, episode already, in terms of we don't want the people that have access to this to lose access to it, but that does unfortunately happen. So I, I see Greenlight Fund filling a really important void there that is that trap that a lot of organizations like this can unfortunately get sucked into, but then going through the, the process of preparing for sustainability and everything you need to have in place in order to be able to prepare and su support the level of scale that you may be anticipating after we know that the program works, right? It's like, okay, great. If we've done that testing, we've got those results. Now we know we're ready and we can bring this potentially to a larger level of scale, but let's put all those pieces in place first to prepare the organization to make sure that it's ready for it is what it sounds like. Yeah, it's that. And, you know, one of the things that came to mind as I heard you talking is Greenlight started in Boston 18 years ago. So we have the luxury of being able to talk about our very first investment 18 years ago <laughs> and where they are now and their track record. But, you know, Greenlight, what sets us also apart from a lot of other grant makers is, you know, we are still in contact and communication and collaboration with those organizations in our portfolio. So we have 18 years of data on Friends of the Children Boston, our very first investment. We have 17 years of data on Raising a Reader and their success. So we can also look at our own portfolio and look back and say, here are the trends we see at this point in our, in our growth. Now, what is it that Greenlight needs to do differently? What is it that we can be doing that we're learning from that allows us to think about um, how we engage with our portfolio for the long haul? 
And so that's one of the the great parts about uh, what we do, because I tell people, you know, the way we see it is they're part of our family. You know, they don't live at home anymore. They're invited over to dinner. They're invited for the holidays. (laughs) And so we continue to maintain that relationship with those local organizations on the ground because we know that, you know, we're learning so much from their continued success. And we also provide um, some limited support to them as they're navigating their own growth and thinking about what scale looks like in the greater Boston region and across the state. Makes a ton of sense. And I'm sure it makes a huge difference as well, too. But thank you so much, Melissa, for being here and sharing your incredible knowledge and experience about Greenlight Fund Boston with us. I've got a series of questions for you before we let you go. Um, number one is anything else that you'd like to share that would be important to mention for folks to know about Greenlight Fund Boston program, what they could do to get involved, help and support the organization, um, anything related to the subject matter that we've been talking about or Next question from there, from my perspective, is what can people do to kind of get involved and support the organization's mission? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think some things to know about Greenlight Boston, and in particular, as we think about where we've been over the past five years um, and thinking about the organization as a whole, is our commitment to really being rooted in community. And I think, and understanding that we are learning just like a lot of grant makers in this space. And We've done a lot to better engage community, to hear those who are most proximate to the issues and ensuring that we have lived experience throughout all our process so that we are making better decisions and that not only is the organization proven and effective, but our our residents in Boston want to use the program, (laughs) that they actually find it exciting. And I think that when we talk about like, you know, our community it's really centering on what they need and what they want. And I think those are two very different things. And so I think uh, in particular, as we think about the dignity of of people who are using our programs, if we really center what they both need and want, we can deliver really effective programs with a transformative change. Now, I have the beauty (laughs) of having this job and loving what I do and being able to do this. And we do this in partnership with so many others. And so I, if people are interested in getting involved with Greenlight Fund, you know, there's a couple of ways that I that come to mind. You know, there's obviously we have a newsletter that um, people can join. You can go on our website, greenlightfund.org to sign up for it. You know, every fall we'll announce our new program and the need it's being that is being delivered and more about that program. So you get to learn more about our portfolio as it grows and expands. Um, Other ways, um, we're constantly looking for um, an understanding, trying to identify new focus areas for us. You know, we know needs in Boston continue to change um, and things evolve. And so we're looking for people to share, you know, you should look at this focus area for your next election cycle. We're happy to have those conversations with folks. And then lastly, if you're an organization across the country and Boston, for some reason, has been on your radar for expansion, I would love to talk to you and just talk a little bit about what what you do, you know, what's the impact you look to achieve, but also um, what's your timeline and what's the opportunity you're seeing in Boston? Because sometimes you might be a green light organization, other times you might come here on your own, and we're happy to facilitate those sorts of introductions. And because ultimately we're strengthening our community that way. So uh, best way to reach me is through my email. It's uh, mluna m l u n a at greenlightfund.org and I am happy to receive any email um, for any communication from, I'm I'm assuming a great audience that you have, um, but really, you know, help us move our work forward here in Boston. 
Amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that, Melissa. And for any of our listeners, the details that Melissa shared will also be in the show notes. So if you're looking for any of that contact information or the links that she shared, we'll get information in there related to the newsletter and areas where you can sign up. Make sure that you're able to track the wonderful progress that Greenland Fund is helping organizations out there that need it most in terms of scaling and growing from here. And uh, thank you again, Melissa, for being here and sharing your knowledge and experience with myself and our audience. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scaling Impact. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you'd like to learn how to scale impact at your nonprofit organization by more than double in less than half the time, I'd encourage you to sign up for my free five-day email course at nextstep.io forward slash impact. That's nextstep.io, nxtstep.io forward slash impact.